you see that article? Every year, these liberal elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us and hunt us for... Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Liberal Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Well, everyone, if you're still out there, quarantined, maybe you saw this movie, maybe you didn't. I got to see it right before it all got craziness all the bread was taken off the shelves all the milk all the toilet paper now all the meat all the canned goods you're right uh the coronavirus has literally affected the entire world as it is um and whether you're in the movie business whether you're in the entertainment business whether you're in the stocks wall street investing mortgages real estate, uh, healthcare especially, all of, almost every sector is being affected in some sort of significant way. People are losing their minds. Um, you know, we're still out here trying to thrive, review a few good movies, and I think I might have a good recommendation for you today. And I actually just found out within the last uh, 48 hours that Universal and NBC has withdrawn the majority of their movies for the next couple months and they decided to make them available on video on demand and so it sounds kind of revolutionary it's just like oh shit we can get brand new movies you know uh, straight to uh, um, you know straight to the, your house or straight to your box or whatever the hell you're watching it on um, that's that's pretty cool and Honestly, that's what Netflix has been doing the whole time, but it's just like, you know, we're watching new, brand new movies now. So the coronavirus is affecting everyone, uh, high and low, big or small, rich and poor, no matter who you are, worldwide, it is definitely affecting us in some sort of way. So flip side, we're probably going to have majority of these movies that were being pushed back a few months they might become available on video on demand or we might have to watch them later in the year so just wanted to kind of give everybody a heads up also if you want to get these podcasts early be sure to uh, subscribe on youtube and you'll be able to get the podcasts before i release them uh or yeah before i release them because uh normally i release uh weekly podcasts on tuesday so um You'll be able to get all of the look at all goodness on YouTube. And also, if there's any edits to the podcast, they can't be done uh, on YouTube. I have to go back and re-edit audio only on uh, SoundCloud, which affects the other podcast providers. Just giving everybody a heads up. So if there is extended podcasts, like sometimes I'll upload a 30-minute podcast immediately to YouTube and I might have some more to say. The SoundCloud version will be the full, the uh, definite version of the podcast. The YouTube version will just be the first basic rough draft. Sometimes I go back in and try to master some more of the, the podcast after they're already posted. Excuse me. Um, I need some coffee. Lord, Lord, Lordy, Lordy. All right, so we are talking about the most interesting film that has come to date within the last couple months that has generated the most, uh, uh, what do you want to call it, uh, 
<clears throat> controversy is that what is that what the people like to say these days? Controversy between the right and the left uh, with regards to the movie industry. Back in I believe it was I think it was like August. There were a couple shootings in what was the towns Dayton and El Paso in early August. And so they decided to delay the release of the film alongside uh, the president giving this movie kind of short shrift, saying that they're only creating, you know, liberals are creating this movie strictly to, you know, rile up the conservatives, which... I will grant that, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the movie is uh, portrayed in a way that looks like, yes, it looks like the liberal elites are going out and, um, you know, this is the premise, going out and rounding up conservatives and um, kind of having this, the, the most dangerous game you know, hunting humans, and it's liberals versus elite, uh, liberal elites versus the conservatives, and so, um, with this movie, it, on the face of it, and on the trailer of it, which I just saw after I watched it, um, yeah, it does look kind of, quote-unquote, problematic, but not in a way that I would have said that, you know, maybe we shouldn't release it, I, I get, I almost guarantee you it was the, uh, the, the president that was like, you know, they don't need to be releasing these movies, you know, bad guys, good guys, we don't need them, you know, it's, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, I can see on the face of it why people would be upset about this movie, but when you actually go in and see who, what, you know, what it's all about, um, you might come to realize that this is all just a wacky political satire. That is pointing the finger at not just the left, not just the right, but all of us on both sides. And kind of making a joke out of all of us. And so I was very surprised by this movie going um, going into it, how um, smart it was when it come, came to the writing. Um, they had the right cast in this that fit... I, I feel like the casting was perfect because... The way that this movie is introduced is, like I said, it's the liberals versus the uh, liberal elites versus the conservatives. When I say the liberal elites, I mean like the, you know, the very rich, wealthy, uh, liberal individuals that kind of think that they're doing the right thing. You know, uh, you know, they listen to NPR and they uh, are always staying top politically uh, in the news, and they're trying to. Uh, always uh, abide by climate change rules, and they, they just take everything to the extreme. So, yeah, they do point the finger at the liberals, but they're also taking somewhat of the stereotypical conservative, you know, the the Midwesterner conservative, and these are the people that they're kind of rounding up and um, hunting. So, yeah, on the face of it, it sounds extreme. But if you look who's behind the scenes of this movie, you'll understand that this is a pretty smart uh, cast with an excellent set of writers. Now let me go behind the scenes about who these people are. Um, The Hunt is a 2020 American film described as a horror thriller. And I want to put in there it's a horror comedy thriller at that. It's directed by Craig Zobel. 
and co-written by Damon Lindelof. Anyone that knows Damon Lindelof, he's written some of my favorite television most recently. He uh, just finished Watchmen. He um, is writer and creator in the uh, Leftovers series, and he is also um, one of the co-creators of Lost. And, you know, many people have a lot to say about Lost, but I, I have a lot of respect for someone that has that, that bold of an ambition and was able to give us some pretty damn good television for the first few seasons of it, um, regardless of how it ended. But, I, you know, The Leftovers is one of my top, I'd say, top five television series of all time at this point, up there with Mr. Robot. Um, it hits these emotional cores and values that I was not expecting. And so when I saw Damon Lindelof hop onto... Um, the uh, the Watchmen series, the Watchmen series was very well written and oddly smart for it being uh, race relations intertwined with a super, uh, mature superhero um, story, and it oddly worked considering it was written by a white guy. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm, I'm sure he had a lot of consultants in there people of color that helped him uh, with Watchmen, but uh, I've never heard Damon Lindelof's take on uh, his political views, and I feel like this is exactly what it what it would be. It, it's hard to kind of explain, but he's got a very smart take on, um, uh, you know, mortality with regards to Lost um, and The Leftovers, which kind of did a better way of uh, resolving that uh, mortality and life and death struggles. Um, Watchmen was all about race. And so The Hunt is a kind of a way for uh, Lindelof and Nick Cruz to uh, kind of get the the political views of uh, who they are off of uh off the page and onto the screen. And so I, I find it is very interesting to, to look at all aspects of um, the writers. And uh, the, other, the other writer was Nick Cruz, who I believe is um, helping him with this story as well. And I'm pulling up on IMDb real quick. I've got an old-ass iPad right here, so give me two seconds. It's like, geez, 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 geez. Um, let me see. Um, uh... Yeah, so Nick Cruz was the other writer on The Hunt, and let me see. I believe he's uh, oh, he's accompanied Damon Lindelof on other things, such as uh, he was a producer on uh, Maniac. Uh, he was also a producer on Watchmen and a writer on Leftovers as well. Oh, he was a writer as well on uh, Maniac. Um, and I really like that. We actually did a pretty good... Uh, Roundup review of Maniac on Netflix. So, um, Craig Zobel, not too familiar with anything he's done, except uh, I've heard good things about Compliance 2012. Uh, don't know who was on there. And Dowd, Dreama Walker, not really sure what it's about, but um, heard good things about it. This movie definitely makes me want to go back and check out um, some of his older work. But... Let's talk about some pros real quick. I kind of have gone and written, uh, you know, run around the bush about what the pros and the cons of this movie are. But the pros, it's unexpectedly unpredictable. It's funny as hell and violent as shit. Holy hell. 
I was not expecting it to be this uh, quote-unquote ridiculous, but I absolutely loved every aspect about uh, everything I just said. The problems that come in the movie is occasionally it's a little bit politically overbearing. Some of the jokes don't work all the time, and um, what I mean by that is there's some jokes that are, you know, like... uh, Imagine... All these conservative, you know, people running away from grenades and, uh, you know, shooting, you know, people being shot in the back and just blown up and shit, just crazy stuff. Imagine one of the conservatives running and then a grenade being thrown next to him and then the grenade doesn't go off. And then you hear a joke about the <laughs> the grenade. They're like, oh, shit, I forgot to pull the trigger. Oh, shit. And so it's it's there's like this mix of action but also comedy in in between that lets you know that what you're watching is ridiculous like there's times when people are just blown the fuck up and still talking so it's just like ridiculous it's, it's, it is ridiculous I think that's what it's supposed to be but the uh, main character who I don't really want to say who it is yet I kind of want to leave that in the spoiler section mostly because this is a awesome movie with regards of how it opens up it allows you to you know explore this world as if you're one of the people waking up in this uh you know horrible nightmare and you don't know who the main character is it's one of the best parts about this movie very unpredictable so um let me talk about This movie in spoilers. All right, we are going to talk about this movie in spoilers, and it's going to talk about every everything. This is a movie I'd recommend not spoiling. It's it's one of the you know go in just check it out. It's it's got the uh, double toasted said it best. It's like the hot fuzz. It, this feels like an Edgar Wright movie. I feel like if it, you know it's got the ridiculous comedy with the extreme action, and it somehow works in between. I'd say the thing is they're trying to really hide some of the main stars and what this movie is actually about. So, like, I would totally recommend it. If you saw Ready or Not last year, that was a great uh, kind of like what feels like a precursor to this sort of in a way. Just with the, you know, the the action lead led by uh, an amazing star that is almost unknown. So, um... Yeah, let's uh, hop into spoilers for uh, The Hunt right now. This hour and 30 minute movie, I think this was done on a Blumhouse budget, so it you know it's got to be fucking cheap. Let me see if I can find an actual price. The price is right. I actually don't see the price for this. Oh, that's weird. Normally they'll give me okay. So budget is fourteen million, and they made six point five in the first weekend. Hey, could be doing a little bit better. Okay, so I didn't give anybody out of. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to mention any of the actors or actresses that are featured in this because it kind of is a spoiler, and I just I enjoyed not knowing who was in it. I didn't watch any of the trailers, so no idea who was going to get killed, what was going to happen, or what you know what was really going on. Walking in. This stars uh, Betty Gilpin, Ike Barinholtz, Emma Roberts, and Hilary Swank. The music by Nathan Barr. I don't know if I know any of the Nathan Barr stuff. 
Nathan Barr, True Blood guy, the Americans. He's a he's a, a television guy. All right. Um. So yeah, let's talk about this movie and spoilers. I had a couple notes with regards to this movie. When we first open up, it looks uh you know we see Betty Gilpin's character uh, Crystal, but we have no idea who she is for like twenty minutes. So we're following Emma Roberts, and then we're going to follow the rest of these other people that are like going around this big ass box and it's like what the fuck is going on and in we are in the shoes of these conservatives and and we're like seeing all this crazy shit happen and uh they they open the box and then there's gunfire and then people start blowing up and there's landmines and Emma Robin's like oh my god I almost got fucked and blow her head just blown the fuck up I was like shit like like everyone that they're like shit <laughs> we're like holy fuck uh, just did not see that happening. So that was like the first kill. You're like, oh fuck, and then you're like, oh, I guess we're following this guy. And then in the in the uh, trailers, apparently we see that you know the guy we're following for like two seconds after Emma Roberts gets blown the fuck up. So we should have known that he wasn't going to be there for too long. Um, going through this movie, the kills are unpredictable and gory and oddly funny. And there's just lines of like, what is this Avatar shit? Like when they're getting shot at with the, the arrows and whatnot. I was like, oh, fuck. And one thing I noticed is that it was very creative with the kills. It wasn't like they were just mowing down people with guns. It was like they were getting blown up by landmines. They were getting like like arrows uh, to the face that, you know, later people were, are dying from eating uh, poison. The second round of uh, victims in the gas station. I loved everything that happened at the gas station. Second round of victims were creatively taken out by a donut, a gas mask, and an old lady. Uh, the, you know, this old, these two old folks were really fucking funny. I, I was uh, dying with all the rapport with everything that was happening there. It almost felt like a little Saturday Night Live sketch sketch with, uh, you know, everyone just, uh, you know, the old folks that happened to be the the terrorizers and I knew you couldn't trust them if you've seen the book of Eli you can't trust two old folks looking like that out in the middle of the woods looking like that it was it was just it was just too obvious couldn't couldn't trust them but uh, I was surprised that Ike Barinholtz is taken out just just in that fashion it's just like Game of Thrones level of you did not know who was going down um, and then we had uh, I think that guy was what was the uh, what was the vanilla ice? Yeah, that I forgot how that guy died. I think he might have got shot by something, or I, I he he was creatively taken out too. I know that Ike Barinholtz was shot by the double barrel. Um, let me see. Let me see. Oh, so I love how they do the reset of the scene with different survivors. So it's like after the second round of survivor or the second round of survivors that we're following, Ike Barinholtz and all those guys are taken out in the gas station. You know, you see the the old folks, they kinda have some hilarious rapport talking about climate change, talking about, you know, thirty four grams of sugar and whatever. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you're gonna die, you know that's 34 grams of sugar. I don't know. But I loved how they were going in the reset mode and we see them wash everything up and then Betty Gilpin's character walks in, walks in and uh, let me see. 
Um, I, I wrote in my notes, 30 minutes in this movie, and I have no idea who's going to make it out of this, out of out of it alive. It was completely unpredictable. The intertwining of jokes with the killing of, you know, for the cigarettes, uh, you know, I think she says, you know, the cigarettes will be 1095. And then she <laughs> turns around and says, whoopsh, whoopsh, whoopsh. Cigarettes only cost six bucks in Arkansas, bitch. You fucked up. <laughs> I was just like, damn. I was like, this chick is awesome, and I think I'm in love. Like, I like, he, I was just like, hold my lanta. Normally, I don't like to, you know, lead with that because I just want to talk about them as an actor. But hold my goodness, she is badass. Uh, Betty Gilpin, never even heard of her. I was just like, you know, who is this? Where is she from? She's apparently from Glow and Why Isn't It Romantic and Stuber. I haven't really seen too much of other, anything else that she's been in. Uh, the Grudge uh, 2020, I haven't even seen any of that. She's been in some movies and I guess some. she was in American Gods. Uh, she wasn't Ready or Not. Wait, wait. No, no, Ready or Not is not. I was thinking of... Uh, the other the other one from last year she was not in that one but Gil Betty Gilpin my goodness she was uh, just instantly the first scene you see her you're like oh my god amazing and uh, she's an instant star this is absolutely going to propel her into more uh, you know female centric roles I you know people want her in the Marvel universe now I'm seeing just just crazy stuff about her I want everybody to see Betty Gilpin in this movie um love the line delivery and she's a badass I thought the direction in this was very confident for a director I'd never heard of I was just like wow he's really trusting us to just kind of go along with what's going on I mean uh, with the way it opens in this conservative, uh, you know, running around, I think it's in an airplane, and he gets woken up and stabbed. It's like, holy fuck. Uh, it, you know, it's just insane. Um, let's see. I said, uh, Betty Gilpin evokes uh, Angelina Jolie, kind of like in the Tomb Raider vibe in a way. I was just like, she's just so badass. And she doesn't say too much, and she says a lot with her, you know, expression. She she acts a lot with her face and her eyes. Um, let me see. The she meets up with that one guy, Ethan Supley, as uh, Gary or shut the fuck up, Gary. I thought the the supporting cast in this was all hilarious when it came down to. Wayne Duvall as Don, or Ike Barinholtz as Staten Island, or even um, uh, Gary. I thought all of these characters were really funny to, to, to bounce off of. And uh, I think that one guy is from, where's, is it Glenn Howerton? Is that the guy from uh, It's Always Sunny? Yeah, he, he was pretty good. I'm not a big Always Sunny fan. In, uh, in Philadelphia guy yet I mean I haven't really watched too much of it but he was a pretty uh, legit bad guy and uh, Reed Bernie as Pop and uh, Amy Mad Mad Madgun are these are uh, the old folks at the gas station that were played pretty legit uh, psychopaths I, I've seen Reed um, who plays Pop and other things such as Titans, and I believe that it was uh, pretty intense watching him 
uh, kind of evoke. He plays menacing pretty well because he does it with like a smile. So uh, let me see. When Gary calls out the crisis actors on uh, immigration on the train, I was dying laughing. So I was a little bit confused about how far out of the uh, the, the duplex they were going from the manor house. So the manor house is where everybody was taken and they were all dispersing from. But I couldn't tell how far the game actually reached. So when they jumped on the train, it was hard to tell if they were actually crisis actors on there or if it wasn't. And then when that guy came out, uh, let me see if I can find his name. Uh, Vince Pensani as Peter started, he was talking, I think in like Iranian or something like that. And at this point, they figure out they're in Europe or something like that. Or, or some, yeah, I think they're in Europe. And Vince uh, Pinsani starts speaking just like flat out plain English after the, the guards are, have taken him out of the train and everything. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And Gary's over there. I have a podcast. I have a podcast. I've I've uh, <laughs> I've uh, discovered this shit. I've covered this shit. I know what's going on. You know what? Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm certified. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was just like, this is hilarious because it sounds exactly what people would say. That's I, I don't if I was a conservative uh, guy taken in this situation, I'd be probably saying that too. I'd be, oh, I, I got a podcast. I've studied this shit. <laughs> I was fucking dying. Um, <laughs> uh, it's almost fourth wall breaking in a way. Um, and so I did write, it's still hard. It's it's hard to tell if they're still being hunted or not if they're in the game, which um, I think led to it only being 14 million dollars they used it on very specific sets and and the action was used kind of sparsely in a way that really worked for me personally um and she bucked up that fbi guy up um she i was thinking that uh betty gilpin is like a cross between like sandra bullock and like angelina jolie with kind of her emotion versus her physicality I, i really enjoyed it the Hillary Swank homage with the, uh, well, first of all, we find out Athena, her character, she's fired. There's a whole big thing about everyone that's been captured is because Athena was fired for saying deplorables and that they want to round up and kill people, which they weren't actually doing until these people had, uh, you know, said that they said that they were doing that or something like that. Like the podcast guy had said, you know, reported on it. The, uh, some of the other people that were conservatives have had discussed it or, you know, talked, talked about it in some sort of way. And so they had all kind of sort of exposed this group of elites, liberal elites. And so that was the interesting, thing, interesting thing about it. Now, Betty Gilpin's character, Crystal, we find out in somewhat of a twist that, well, yeah, she's got army training and everything, which is why she's a badass. Um, but also, Crystal is might possibly have been the wrong crystal that they took. Or they took the wrong crystal. Like, there was another crystal that apparently gets mixed up with, the you know, Betty Gilpin's crystal. And they get their mail switched up. And so, they stole the wrong crystal. They, they kidnapped the wrong crystal. Now... What does that mean for us as the audience? I'm not really sure. What does the very ending mean with, uh, you know, that badass fight? Well, we do get a badass fight. What does it mean when they're calling um, her snowball at the very end? Now, that's that's where it's a little bit more up to interpretation. Um, 
that's I, I didn't have because I hadn't uh, listened to Animal Farm or anything like that recently, so wasn't exactly. Um, I wasn't exactly informed about what I should be saying about this. So there was two pigs. One was Orwell, one was uh, Snowball. And I believe that they were calling Gilpin's character, Crystal, they were calling her, Hilary Swank called her Snowball or something because of the, uh, I don't know, the rebellion? The fact that she fought back? The, the fact that she won? I don't know. I, I still need to kind of go back, maybe do a rewatch. Let me know in the comments what you think about the pig interpretation. I think the marketing kind of fucked up for this. Um, I think the only reason that people are going to go watch this is at first is, oh, you know, what's going on with, uh, the political satire of this, you know, the nature of it all. And they're going to go in and figure out this is a comedy. This is actually really funny. And it's, it's weird that it's being, you know, deemed as an action horror thriller, which I would barely call it a horror. It's like a horror. It's more of an action thriller comedy. So I don't. I don't know exactly what's going on with this. Uh, I'd say the marketing is kind of fucking up some of the things with it. Overall, I would say um, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Like when it comes to originality and just uh, it kind of being fresh. Even though I, I want to say the last, like the whole thing with her finding the bunny and, uh, you know, Crystal's character, you know, taking a shower and living her best life in Athena's house and, you know, taking her jet and going back home. I was like, you know, it's a little bit much. I didn't need all that. You know, could have just ended right there. But, um, it, it wasn't, you know, upsetting or anything. It did not change my opinion of the movie. I think that Crystal is still an amazing character. I'd love to see an additional movie in this world. I mean, Blumhouse is slowly branching out uh, some of these movies that could actually serve as, um, you know, small universes if they wanted to. Um, I would love to see Crystal, you know, revi uh, revived in another sense of these movies. And I don't, I don't know why people are disliking this movie. I, I don't see a, I don't see a detailed reason of why they like this, why they are disliking this movie. I, I am seeing a lot of People like unimpressed, blah, 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 blah. It's like if you went into it thinking that it was a horror, I could see why you would be a little bit unimpressed. But if you just kind of go into it as a movie and and, and uh, a new take on an original idea and kind of an updated take so that it's talking about it in updated political terms, I think you're going to have fun. So I gave this uh, movie an 8 out of 10 considering it's got a basically a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. And as of right now, it has a 6.5 on IMDb. And that's just surprising for me, honestly. I, I don't generally, you know, stray that much higher than, you know, the rest of the, the average of the people. But I really think people are missing out on this. And if this is available on Netflix, I think this would have been a perfect Netflix view. Uh, you know, I... It would have been something to recommend to everybody that um, likes this kind of action comedy. So, thank you for watching, listening, Lucky Dog Podcast. Let me know how we can improve the podcast. Um, if you want to listen to this uh, with you know different 
speeds or if you want to do it without the, uh, any long stretches of pauses or anything like that, check out the Luggedal podcast on Overcast. If you want to get the full version of the podcast, if I've updated the podcast at all, check it out on SoundCloud. We just checked out Outbreak 1995, I believe it's 1995. On um, Yeah, it's available on Netflix right now, but we did a quick review and kind of compared it to how the coronavirus is affecting us um, on a global and economic scale. And I compare it to is Outbreak 1995 a good take on what would happen or what has happened in the coronavirus, the movie that we're living in right now. So, um, yeah, check out um, Outbreak. It's interesting, to say the least. Um, check out the Aftercast if you want to hear what's going on behind the scenes. All the Aftercasts are available on SoundCloud. So check those out. Subscribe. You know what to do. Look at all podcast. We're getting ready to, uh, ready to review Westworld Season 3, so... Look for that coming down the tube. That'll be on YouTube and SoundCloud. And um, all the social medias. You know what to do. Comments, questions, concerns. Email the Podcast at gmail.com. Twitter at Podcast, Facebook link is below. Twitch, Instagram, YouTube links are down below. As well as Discord if you want to talk to the chat. We are there all the time answering questions. You know, you know what to do. Um... I had a couple thanks I want to give out to some new subscribers. Um, Simba Trey. He wrote a great review and subbed and hit the bell. Keep it up. That was on uh, the Invisible Man and uh, Invisible Man YouTube review. And I appreciate your support, your views, and I will keep it up. Um, The Outsider. I just wanted to talk about some of the endings of it. Go check out the YouTube reviews if you wanted to, to hear full reviews. Um, um, sorry, if you wanted to hear the full final review, it's on YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, Memories of Murder. I know a little bit late to the party on it, 2003, but we did a pretty good roundup of that. So check out all of those. Um, look at our podcast goodness. Thank you for listening, watching, whatever you're doing. Uh, uh, for the the hunt 2020 movie review let me know what you thought about it and uh, questions comments in the comment section take it easy these are not real people they're actors i'm playing an arab refugee but i identify as white i think that's problematic too in some way you wanted it to be real so you decided it was kind of sick people would even think of something like that? White people. We're the worst.